Want the reward? Do the damn work. Challenge yourself. Inspire change. Choice, not luck. What's happening, everybody? Todd Crandall from Racing for Recovery, bringing you another killer podcast with Ignite Euphoria. And I have the awesome Mike Newman with me today. How you doing, brother? I'm doing phenomenal, man. I'm happy to be here. Me too. So I don't want to tell people who you are. Who are you? And where are you going to be playing tomorrow, tomorrow. night? Tomorrow. <laughs> which people may not see this till after, but... <clears throat> Tell us, tell us who you are. Well, I'm a, a local Michigan boy, a musician, and uh, actually a photographer as well. And uh, I play with a band called Jump right now. We're actually a Van Halen tribute. I know there's a whole stigma behind tributes, but what I tell people, I tell people this. It's like going to see Mary Poppins on Broadway, just Van Halen style. Right You on, know what I'm man. saying? Yeah. And uh, so that's kind of like, that's kind of our little gimmick there is it's kind of a Broadway reproduction. Uh, so people that, like me, that haven't seen, I've never seen Dave in his prime. So we're all between the ages of 18 and 28. So we're kind of age proper. And, uh, you know, we do it for people that obviously want to see them, you know, that have seen them in the 80s and would like to see a recreation and those you know like younger folks that had never gotten to see you know Dave with Van Halen that's kind of where my passion takes over there because I just would do anything I tell people I can visit Rome I can visit you know Alaska but I can never go to 1981 and see the fair warning tour so wow this is interesting. I'm I'm glad you <clears throat> led with that because it gives me a, a little bit of different perspective you know, I am there. I saw them, mm -hmm. uh, but I did not see them until 1984. So I saw them, I want to say, in the public's eye at their prime, but I didn't see them during their prime. Their prime was 81. Yes. Their prime was 80. Well, yeah. 78, 79, 80 was a vicious explosion. And then 81 was where you could tell they were like right in the zone. Yeah. Everyone was right where they needed to be. They didn't have to be super fast paced and, you know, High, as quite as high energy they were like settled right into like their sweet spot and then yeah afterwards 82 83 got a little unhinged Weird. and then by 84 dave was just really really Done. drunk and ed was all coked out and it was just, <laughs> you know but hey salute to them right? you know but yeah so we're playing here tomorrow at the racing for recovery building right here in holland ohio yeah it's so. going to be unbelievable i've wanted to do something like this for the longest time and I don't even know how we got well your dad treats yeah. me yep um and he told me about you guys years ago and then we got reconnect i think my daughter skylar's kind of my wife and and skylar go to hot room yoga together yeah. and i actually started going to the pilates classes and the yoga and whatnot and um yeah my da my dad probably mentioned it a few years ago um we started in 2019 and then COVID hit almost instantly after our first show and it actually kind of did a few things. It gave us time to really become like a lot better band because all things considered, we, we were we were new. I kind of started it with uh, a friend that's not even in the band. He was the one that pitched me the idea because I wanted to play music. I, I used to tour for years as a drummer. Played probably 40 states with my last band, Hour 24. We played some really cool shows, and then we played just about every hole-in-the-wall club between here and Seattle. And uh, that's how we, quote, cut our teeth as right. the old rock and roll <laughs> yeah, saying goes right um so when i i sat down with him in april of 2019 so this is actually um 
a very big a uh, big month because it's a, our four year anniversary since the conception of Jump. And uh, he said, start a Van Halen tribute. You, because I'm not really a songwriter. He's like, I know you can scream like Dave. You just got to work on it. And I was like, nope, not my thing. And he goes, listen, just think about it. Just think about what you could bring to people. You know, like I say, right. what you could bring to people. This isn't just for you. You know, you're an entertainer and I know you like to, to give people a good time and everything. And I was like, you know, that makes a lot of sense. Like I can go and I can kind of change some perspective. And I saw Get the Let Out. And that was something that they said too was, you know, we do this because there's people that will never get to see the real full Led Zeppelin come blaring through the front of house, you know. And so that's why they, they're like, we don't even dress like them. We don't even look like them. We just play the music accurately because people still want to hear. There's nothing like a live concert. I don't care. Live stream this, that, whatever. There's nothing like standing in front of a live band and just getting your face blown back, you know, your hair blown back by the live sound. Yeah. And so I was like, okay. So yeah, April 14th was actually um, kind of like the first day in the life of this idea, awesome. 2019. So then we took, you know, two years of COVID, we played a, a show here and there. And then last January, we met our agent who was actually a, our, the agent for uh, the ACDC tribute Thunderstruck. And they're like a very large national act. And um, he picked us up, he mentored us and actually funny enough, Three years later, April 14th of last year was our first date booked by Greg. And inside of 12 months, we've played two arenas, headlined one of them, um, headlined and sold out a few theaters and just playing all these, you know, and we're actually, we got our first amphitheater show booked um, May 28th, I think. Yeah, May 28th, Sunday of Memorial Day. Where's that one so, going to be? That's Decatur, Illinois. It's called wow. the, the Devon Lakeshore Amphitheater. Awesome. And I'm like, it's a, it's like a week before my 29th birthday, and I'm just like totally psyched. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. And then you're playing for about, <clears throat> well, probably less than 100 people here at Racing for Recovery in our little, it's not little, it's a big educational room, but for mm -hmm. a concert, it is small, which is going to be very intimate and but I Personal. come from that. I come yeah. from playing little clubs like that. And so, like, that's special for a few reasons. Because, A, it keeps things in check. Um, you know, that's one thing that, you know, I, I kind of pride myself and the guys on is that we're a humble band. We just have a lot of fun doing it. Yeah. And it shows, too, because the venues will actually call our agent and say, this is the easiest tribute band we've ever worked with. Like, no ego, no issue, efficient. They clean up after themselves, and they're a ton of fun. That's something that I pride our business strategy on and i will say what's super unique about playing here uh at racing for recovery is I, I told you this todd is that we as a band get hired to sell tickets and bring alcohol sales to venues right. here we are delivering a safe haven to people that m are struggling with uh, uh, something in their life and they're not able to really feel comfortable going out into those atmospheres, say a bar, say a, a venue, what have you, where you have all the temptation and the noise and the, the trauma of that lifestyle around you. So it's really that's a really special part yeah. of this event is the fact that we're kind of delivering, like I say, on a silver platter to the people that, that still want music in their life but just can't necessarily see that at this moment in time you know you know i appreciate you bringing that up and it's interesting because the, <clears throat> i started looking at this from 
from my perspective of like, man, I want to, I want to bring these guys in here. And I also was looking at it from our client's perspective of, Hey man, it's a free, it's a free show for you guys. Come on out. When we were starting to get closer to it, we were starting to hear like, well, Hey, if it's open to the public, does that mean people are, and that's where we had that conversation. And I'm yeah. so glad that you guys were seeing it that way. Cause I didn't even see it Yeah, from our people's perspective. And now these guys are fired up, man, mm -hmm. for you guys. It's going to be awesome. Yeah, and I guess just to kind of elaborate on that conversation, um, just for the people listening, is that, um, you know, originally my, my intent was to sell tickets to essentially help you cover costs because yeah. I know that we can do that and it, and it helps the business. It helps keep money in the pool for helping more people. Right. Um, but then when that was brought up, it made total sense that, yeah, if we open the doors to the public, people are, you know, people could pregame, people could bring in, um, an essence, we'll call that, you know, yeah. smell, uh, you know, and uh, it can just not be a good, um, it can just kind of sour the environment again for the people yeah. that are trying to work through a, a tough point in their life. Yeah. And I, um, you know, I'm, I'm pretty open about this. My parents know about this too. Um, I was broken from the chains of cocaine in 2017. It was the, uh, I, I've always said the only two things I've ever been addicted to in my life were Frank's Red Hot and cocaine. And uh, yeah. Frank's Red Hot qu isn't quite as bad for me, but that was, you know, so I have, I have empathy and sympathy, a mixture of the both for people that struggle with certain things. And fortunately I was able to make it out yeah. um, alive, honestly, yeah. especially with all the fentanyl and stuff that's going on. Yeah. Nowadays, like yeah. it's not the '80s anymore. Nope. Here we are Here we again are. talking about, yeah. you know, it's not the '80s anymore. Shit's really dangerous now. So it's like, you know. So let's talk. Uh, why Van Halen? What is it about them that really, <clears throat> and particularly David Lee Roth? You know, what is it about them and him that really is it for you? Easy. So when I was probably like nine years old, I had just started playing drums. We went over to Christmas Eve at my cousin's house. My dad ended up um, having Drew, his, his name, he had Drew burn him a CD. And it had, you know, some Robin Trower, uh, you know, uh, some Van Halen, probably some ACD, something, you know, just a few different 80s Titans on there and uh, 70s, 80s Titans. And I know it had Ain't Talking, Eruption, You Really Got Me, and Everybody Wants Some. Those were the four songs that were on there. And I just remember it, it was out of order from the album. Um, and obviously, uh, Everybody Wants Some is from Women and Children first. But those first three album songs, they were out of order. But I always remember putting that in and, and hearing Ain't Talking open up. And the guitar tone was just so different. And that phase, mm -hmm. the phase 90 on it was unreal. And then I listened to Eruption. And just like everyone, when they were a kid or, you know, back in the 80s, you know, I... How many times have I heard, oh, we were ripping the bong in my brother's room listening to freaking, you know, eruption. And we just couldn't believe what was happening. Yep. <laughs> and so that was what blew me away was it just the sound in general. And then you bring in the element of Dave's voice. And I've always kind of made the joke that Dave, Dave is kind of like a white Louis Armstrong. If you listen to his voice yeah. and you think about like, especially on his solo album in 1985, when he sings Easy Street, mm -hmm. that's like totally Louis Armstrong mm. right there. But Dave's a little poppy, squealy rock and roll twist to it. So that, I think what was awesome about Van Halen is they took 
you know, 70s rock and, and kind of that disco look also. Just, I mean, the, the bell bottoms and everything. You look at pictures of them from 75, 76, 77, you know, wearing pink bell bottoms and stuff like that. They brought that element into 80s hair metal, but they were so iconic, obviously, with, with Eddie. But then Dave, if you think about it, listen to any 80s hair band and they've got this high tenor singer. Dave is a total like bass one tenor two, you know, he doesn't have a crazy range. So it's just so different. And then he kind of, I'm not saying he was a pioneer of that. Cause obviously, you know, Robert Plant would scream, uh, other singers would scream, but his scream was so iconic with that train whistle that yeah. it just, it's like addicting for me to listen to. Yeah. And so that was kind of, that was kind of how that all came about. They've always just been a favorite of mine. And then when I stopped playing music, and uh, actually in 2017, we played our last show at, with my last band, and that was kind of a painful separation. So I needed to just take some time away. I actually met my wife at our last show, crazy enough, and um, took some time away from music for about a year, year and a, almost a year and a half. And uh, I actually played a cover show with my old guitarist and I went to brunch with him the next day wow. and I was like, I, I can't live my life not playing music anymore. Yeah. And I don't really write music. I'm a drummer. I'm a drummer by trade. And then I, I can sing some things and I always wanted to try singing, but I never knew where my voice fit. And that was when Cody Sizemore sat down and just said, dude, start a tribute band, have fun with it. You know, get a bunch of young guys together so you can be like era proper and look like you know the band did when they were in their prime, and uh, just work work hard. I know you'll work hard at whatever you do, and that's kind of always anything I've dove you know dove into. I've always kind of gotten like an obsession for it, you know. And so I mean that's how I got my photo career because I got I remember taking some of my first photos and looking at them pulled up on a screen. And I'm like, this is amazing. So I just became obsessed with it. And for five years, I worked for myself as a photographer. Well, so. any, anybody that's, <clears throat> quote, made it, they you have to have that driver. You're... Yep. <laughs> if you mean it, you'll make it. That's right. That's it. And, and you know, and sometimes there's unconventional ways. Like I told you earlier in the hall, our agent called me this morning and said, I'm not sure I've had a tribute band grow quite at the, the rate that you guys are growing. You guys are totally on fire. Literally said that. And I, I laugh because on fire last song on the yep. vh1 album yep. um so i was like that's awesome and and honestly the only thing that could make that better is if you said you are the fastest growing original band i've ever had you know i'd still love to write original music but this was just a different path to getting to where i i want to yeah. be you know and and like i say sometimes life pivots and opportunity knocks and i've always told i've told this to my guys i've told this to past members opportunity knocks and if you don't answer he doesn't care he's to the next door in 10 seconds he's in the next state in 30 seconds and he's out of the country in 60 seconds right. that's how opportunity works yeah. he doesn't care about you or your feelings or how your perfect little plan is when opportunity knocks and answer the door answer the door yeah 100 <clears throat> i think uh, well mark weiss who you're gonna yeah. be with who was just on the show and he was staying at my house doing some stuff and it was funny yesterday we're doing this photo shoot and he's having me jump on a jump box yeah yeah so i'm sitting there and i'm like well then we need to have the song going so i'm playing <laughs> jump 
he's telling me to jump and I'm thinking of having jump playing here all at the same time. And some of these pictures, when I start posting them, you'll go, Oh, I get it. I'm laughing. Yep. You know, having, and that's to me what Van Halen is just having a good time. That's not it. having a care in the world. Right? Yep. And yep. I mean, it's not even like, you know, yeah. It, like nowadays it's so different because music has taken such a different turn that like, I always think like I'm the one was like their dance club song because it was like, toe tapping and like shimmy dancing but that was that was 70s club dancing that's how it was it wasn't like hip-hop grinding you know um but they were just such a good time that even right down to like the aspects of love they never really had like a serious serious song if you if you really dive in there was no like hard emotion or anything or like any strong like ballads per se it was just like all fun and and dave would even say himself you know sam's you know whether he would say sam's a great singer or not i think sammy is an an incredible singer but he would go you know sam is asking why can't this be love and i'm and i ain't talking about love and it was just so funny i'm like you know hey no love no worries rock and roll like I got a Just question crazy. for you in this because everything you've talked about so far with them has been about sound, which I agree. Had you not seen them, do you think you'd still have the same passion? Because they, Dave, I mean, Dave is a, he's a rock star, man. You think of that? I mean, Brett Michaels, you know, obviously influenced by David Lee Roth, Vince Neil, same thing. Yep. If I was ever a singer, I'd be a combination of all three of those guys. But like I said, everything you've been talking about is about sound. How how did their image add to what you're doing with already the respect you have for their sound? Image and branding is such an important thing, whether it's business, whether it's music, whether it's anything. I tell this to the guys all the time, and then I tell this to a couple bands that I've kind of like mentored. You know, I, I, I'm, I kind of say I'm like too young to be a mentor yet, but... I've helped some certain, you know, certain bands kind of like step up to the plate a little bit. And I tell people this all the time. You're driving down the highway, two miles into the distance, there's a a little white sign that says McDonald's. You can't see that sign, but you're driving down the highway and two miles in the distance, you see that golden M, you know exactly what's coming. That's it. And so with them, between the Frankenstein, I mean, obviously having an innovator like Eddie is incredible. Someone that was so drastically original, you know, modifying his own guitars, taking a chainsaw to his shark, uh, just everything about it. So, yeah, I mean, Image, the brand, Van Halen. I mean, Dave was the one that suggested, you know, mm-hmm. it be that their name because it was just a powerhouse name. And I, th- I think that's hilarious just because it was like that was how – like McDonald's was. It was like the all-American, like, strong name for a, a, a little fast food company when it started, you know, if you've ever watched The Founder. Mm-hmm. But I think of that when I think of Van Halen, the image, um, the, it, it kind of broke the cycle of blue jeans and a white tee. And it was like, it kind of made me think, like, he must have just walked into, like, a prop warehouse and just started pulling, like, not even looking, but just, like, pulling stuff out of the clothing bin and just being like yeah i'll wear this yeah i'll tear this open and modify that okay yeah and so i think all in all it was just such an you know obviously you look at the 70s outside of kiss look at 70s bands and then shift and look at 80s bands 
And they were right there at the turning point, 78 to 84, <clears throat> with Dave, anyhow, 78 to 84. So I think their 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 branding and their image was such a huge thing because it was just so out there, yeah. you know, at the time. Be different. Be different. Right. Be different. And, and again, no, obviously, all due respect to anyone with a tighter image or anything like that. But I love... I like I love uh, the outfits. I think the Franken stripes are just amazing, and um, I think it's crazy too that you when you see kind of how they transitioned into the Sam era, that really gives you a taste of what Dave brought to the table. He'll make the joke like I was watching a video um, this morning while I was getting ready. Um, he was like, "Oh, you know, Ed was classically trained, and uh, Alex did this, and Michael did that, and." I really don't have much musical talent in general, so you can tell why I have the position that I do. And, then, and it's hilarious because <laughs> yeah. you're like, yeah, he's like not that great. Like he's a great singer, but he's not like he's not a Sammy Hagar or he's no. not like some like phenomenal vocalist. He just is a dude that has multiple influences and has this bright, wild, colorful outlook on everything yep. you know and then you look at like his 86 tour um he had the 1984 backline on his 86 Edom and smile tour so you realize that was all dave oh yeah you know outside of ed's original sound and his ability to modify his instruments and create tones that were blowing people's minds dave brought that insane you know vision to the table that realistically almost bankrupted the 1984 tour but it was amazing <laughs> absolutely did you see dave solo at all back in so no. i had actually i can't i think it was 2000 2010 or 2012 i was still in high school i saw them at the palace back when dave you know back then obviously and it still wasn't it still wasn't like it was you know 30 years 30 years later 2010 2012 something like that um Saw them there, and then in uh, when he was in Vegas, Dave, I love you. If you ever see this, I, I love you. But he was a mess. You know, he just wasn't on top of his game. I think you know he. It was just not a, not an inc it wasn't an overwhelming performance. But I would have went to see him just because I would have went to see him. I told my wife, I said, if we go out there, I'm bringing my '78 pants, and I'm gonna wear my '78 pants to the show, which are the black and white striped ones. Yeah. Yep. And uh, I ended up. I was getting I was getting ready to um, you know kind of purchase some tickets last minute. I was just headed down to photograph Skillet. If you're familiar yeah. with the band Skillet, yeah. um, I worked with a watch company that sponsored them, and so I did all the the website and Instagram photos for this watch company. I ended up driving down to Virginia, and when we were passing through Cleveland, we got a call that the world was shutting down, wow. <clears throat> and I was basically going to get tickets last minute to like the second wave of shows and so it obviously never happened because covid ended up killing it that march yeah so it was like march early april that he was wow. at the house of blues but i would just love with everything and of course i always have this thought in the back of my head I'm, I'm a little bit afraid because how do you look someone in the eyes that you're like totally emulating and be like hey <laughs> obviously i'm a super fan but i'd love to i'd love to meet him um, I don't know how that would look, that interaction would look, but, uh, you know, I just, I think just his whole vibe and his whole aura is just off the wall. He's hilarious. I met him once. <clears throat> I think I showed you the picture I had with him mm -hmm. out in the hallway and everybody, well, when I met him was on the, um, 
the title of the record had truth in it, um, his solo record. It's his last, it was on the downswing. Forget the, ah, I forget the title of it. Anyway, oh, he was. Okay, yeah. I can't think of the name of it, but he was playing um, this tiny oh, little. Oh, A Different Kind of Truth? Yeah. You're saying that was the two, okay, I thought, so that was Van Halen's last album then in 2012. No, this was, I had just gotten sober six months later. So this is 1993, whatever he was doing then. He was playing some little club up in Detroit. A little ain't enough was 91, but yeah, anyhow. Keep continue. digging that up because yeah. I want to know what that is. So my friend used to work for uh, Warner Brothers Records. So I get to okay. meet Dave and there's probably like 10, ten of us back there. Mm -hmm. And every person he met, he shook their hand, looked them right in the eye and said, it's a pleasure. Yeah. It's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. So my point in that story is I'm sure he would be nice, funny, and generally appreciative of what you're doing. You know, I, I hope you help. get that chance someday, yeah. you know? Yeah. It would be, it would be wild just cause I, like I say, I, I still have thoughts and, and dreams cause also that era is so I'm honestly like, I'm not a jealous person, but I am so envious because the world and the music industry and everything is just not the same. And to, to live and to work within like Mark's story, yeah. Mark Weiss, I, to be there and to see that wave, it's like <clears throat> that whole decade was just off the wall. And I know, you know, 60s, 70s, 90s. Okay. But everyone that's like twice my age, literally everyone between the ages of 40 and 70 is like, dude, the 80s were so badass, man. Yeah. It's like, it's never like, oh, the, the 70s were really cool, man. But the 80s, it's like that, that was the pinnacle. Yeah. And... Just to be even in the club scene, you know, like when Motley Crue was, was cutting through in the early 80s and everything, it's just crazy to think. And and back then, like, there was no phones, no social media. You had a cigarette lighter and a pack of cigarettes right. and then some rock and roll. Like, right. that was it. And so it just – it was so simple. Everyone was so amped up on it. There was, you know, the anxiety was low. The party was high. Yeah. Like, it just – Right on. I don't know. You want to talk me. about, uh, <clears throat> I don't even know if I want to ask you this, but any. Uh, Your filthy little mouth is looking like the 1994 album. Okay. That might have that might have been like it. It's like a then, collage or something on the front. It's driving me nuts. That's that's it looks like the collage on the right there. Had it? No. Nope. And then A Little Ain't Enough was 91, which actually wasn't that one my either. favorite, I think probably my favorite Dave single uh, solo song is A Little Ain't Enough. I saw that show at Pine Love Island. that. I refuse to ever call it DTE, but oh, he yeah. was still playing arenas at that point, mm -hmm. you know. Um, you want to tell anybody what you guys are going to be playing? Now that it's going to be afterwards, what's the, I mean, everybody can Google the set list. But oh, are you changing yeah. anything up or doing anything different? Um, I mean, we generally see, like, we like to play some of the deeper cuts and stuff. Um, but a lot of times, you know, as much as we play stuff for our, ourself, you know, and for our enjoyment, we always try to keep in mind what the people want to hear. Mm -hmm. um, just because, like I say, I, I love the deep cuts. Fair Warning is my favorite album. I love the Women and Children first. That's definitely like what I consider their more punky album and everything. But, um, you know, I, I mean, to, to give you a spoiler alert, I don't know if they will ever write a better hit opener than Unchained. 
I mean, that is just like the best. Yeah, I mean, they open with like On Fire, Light Up the Sky, Romeo Delight. But if you think about it, all three of those songs were never singles. They were never monster, monster hits. So it's tough because we've opened shows. I remember we opened uh, a sold out show at the Machine Shop in Flint with Romeo Delight. And you could just tell that it wasn't, you know, like he cuts in, Cody would cut into the riff, but it does not like when he slot pick slides and the the crowd just wakes up yeah. and it's just totally different. And so, um, you know, and then we opened up another show with on fire and that was sweet. It's just super high energy, but, um, you know, so we'll obviously be playing, you know, uh, Oh, you know, almost two out really almost two hours awesome. of just like the hits, you know, the hits, um, probably a couple of a couple of deeper cuts. My dad will be here and awesome. I know he loves Romeo Delight, which is off of the Women and Children first album. And then it's funny, he's taken a like to like because he was always kind of like textbook hits guy. Um, everybody wants him as his favorite song. So, you know, obviously. That's what it is. It's funny. We we didn't have that one on the set list at our Oshkosh Arena show in Wisconsin because they only gave us a 40-minute slot. We were on a tribute fest, and there were four bands. But I was watching the time, and literally in a split-second notice, I like, turn, I, I like turn around, and the guys always know if I give them the peace sign, it means watch me. And so I saw the, the clock, and we were blowing through our set. No talking, no air to breathe, just like slamming the crowd. We were the first band on a four, so we had something to prove. And we walked off with blood in our teeth, I'll tell you that, because we were like, we, had, we just were pumped. And I spin around, and I just go like this, and I say, take us to the jungle, little Eric. And that, because our drummer's 18, he's just this little guy, but yeah. he rips. And I was like, take us to the jungle. And so he goes, and we cut into everybody wants them. And I was like, this one's for my dad. Awesome. Awesome. We ended up throwing that into the set, but he's taken a like to Romeo delight. He watched us play that. And he was like, what song was that one? And uh, I'm like, dude, you got to listen to the albums. Right. You got to listen to the full albums, not just the hits. And, uh, Two a uh, few weeks ago, he was at a show, and um, a few, maybe about a month or so ago, he was at a show, and uh, they come out every now and then. And he heard Atomic Punk, and was like, "Man, what was that? That song was amazing too." And so, fast forward a few weeks, we played Wyandotte, Michigan, two weeks ago. Beautiful new venue, District 142. Shout out to Julie Law for having us. It was sold out, about 800 tickets. It was amazing. One of our you know, favorite shows we've played. And my dad, we get, I gave my parents passes. So they come up to the green room. The boys are writing out the set list. And he goes, oh, he always asked me for the set list. And so he's like, oh, you're writing the set list, huh? And he goes, well, guess what? Atomic Punk goes right there. <laughs> <laughs> and he like points to the slot next to Jamie's crying. He's like, Atomic Punk goes right there. I'm like... That's All right, great. well, hey, you, he can help you guys uh, write these out. I'm going to go stretch. Right. So I went and stretched out. Awesome. You're <laughs> so. going to do, uh, we talked about the skit <clears throat> with the, the Jack Daniels and how you're going to mix up. You've got to do that yeah, with dude, one of maybe With one of the vegan smoothies, yeah. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I wanted to make sure that we, you know, we were staging things appropriately, yeah. again, to accommodate the people. Yeah. So, always for the people. Yeah. Um, and so we're going to pull the Jack Daniels bottle out of the skit 
and we're gonna replace it with a vegan smoothie, right on, which I'm stoked to try yeah. out. You know, it's gonna be cool. So I, uh, <clears throat> you know what? Say anything you want to close with, because I know you got to roll down to Cincinnati. Yeah, we got yeah we got Cincinnati coming up here tonight. Um, what and, is it? Uh, let me ask you this: What does it mean to be really living out? <clears throat> your passion this isn't a job i mean yeah everybody works but when you have a passion that you're able to make a living at what's that like for you um it's really um there's a lot that's a really loaded question so it's i will say it's been an, an entirely emotional experience because to be honest with you um i told you earlier when I lock in on something, it's an obsession and there's just no other way out. Like, and to, to walk on stage, like to just know that we should, like I, I used to go around the mall when we'd be on tour with my last band. And if it wasn't like a sponsored or promoted show, if it was a DIY show, we would literally look up hot topic in the mall or like, you know, a mall somewhere with a hot topic. And we'd go in and everyone with colored hair, black skinny jeans, band tank, you know, band t-shirt, um, the slightest look of alternative outerwear, we would go up and t talk to them. Hey, this is, a, you know, this is who we are. We're playing in town. And we would pull people out to shows that way and just pray, just pray that we'd have 25 sets of ears, 25 people. That's just, we would just pray that there'd be 25 people in front of us and living in the back of a van, you know? And so, you know, now waking up and knowing you know, we're still rising, we're still building and everything, but knowing, oh, we got 300 tickets sold this weekend to this show. Oh, we got 600 to, to this one. Um, we got, you know, 800 sold to Wyandotte. I, I, I know I just talked to the amphitheater and Decatur. Um, we're, we're like pushing 1500 pre-sale right now. We're going to push it up. We'll be over 2000 when it's all said and done. So to just know when I pull up my goofy little school bus to our drummer's place and pick him up to head down, I know we're going to play for you know, 2000 people tonight. That just is insane because I've put in, you know, and not to discredit any, you know, anyone else that I've worked with or anything, but this has been a total investment of my life. Um, you know, the last four years, just literally digging my heels in as hard as I can. Cause when I walked away from music the first time and just took a break, I realized if I go back in, I'm having my hands on the wheel. I'm going to, I will lead a team into the promised land. And that's what I always tell the guys. I always ask for their opinions. I always want their input and I always enjoy their trust because there's certain things that, you know, like I say, there's value from all angles when you work with a team, but I have some of the greatest guys in this band and our road crew is amazing. And so to show up play some awesome shows and again i'd love to break off into original that's i've got a whole other scheme that we can talk about another day mm. in terms of my original music plan but this was just what got me off the day job playing shows again learning how to be a front man dave played seven sets a night 45 minutes a piece in clubs all through the 70s mm -hmm. Every, the beatles played years of covers in liverpool Every band has played covers, and so that's why I always laugh. You know, with the, you know, I know that it's a direct runoff of one particular band, but this this has taught me so much. It's taught me so much business, uh, in, inside of the music, you know, inside of the music scene and everything, and to just have going what we have going is like 
super humbling that people come out in droves the way they do to watch a bunch of kids play cover tunes. Awesome. It's like glorified karaoke. I say, hey, we get to dress up like it's Halloween every weekend and you guys come out to a glorified karaoke show. Yeah. You know, that's kind of my other little runoff of the Mary Poppins Van Halen style bit. It's and awesome. uh, so it's it's just amazing. And the support that we have from people, I've had people literally be in tears at the merch table. Just like, I never thought I'd see something this close or this authentic to the real thing, you know, and it just brings me back to when I was a teenager, 14 years old, like in the middle of this ocean of people watching my favorite band. And that's literally, it's those people. And then it's, the, like I say, it's the young cats too that come up and are like, I watched all the live cuts, you know, and, and they don't have, they don't really have like a live album release, but no. you know, except for Tokyo 2015. But again, it's not the same. Nope. It's not 81. It's not 84. Nope. And to have people come up and just be like, I can't believe what I just saw, like, this is literally a dream to be here. And especially in a club atmosphere where you're in three, four, five, six hundred people, not nosebleed seats yeah. all the way and get to come up and talk. And I'm like, it's sweet because we're fans just like you. Right. That's why, you know, so. This is going to be awesome out here. It's I'm awesome. very thankful I, you guys are going to be here at Racing for Recovery, dude. I'm yeah. stoked. I'm very stoked. All right, everybody. Mike Newman, singer of the iconic i'm gonna call him that <laughs> iconic tribute band i don't even like saying tribute band jump check them out um if you're fortunate enough to be out at racing for recovery to see this it's gonna be one hell of a time um check out ignite euphoria podcast as always if you or a loved one is battling self-destruction drug addiction self-harm of any kind 419-824-8462 check us out with sobriety anything is possible we'll see ya and then last one last note um depend you know obviously you guys have a lot of reach here um we are playing the to, the toledo rib off but if you're from out of state um that the toledo rib off will be in the end of july if you go to jumptribute.com all of our tour dates are on there with ticket links and then our music videos and merch store are on there as well Killer. so thanks for having me todd i no really problem. appreciate it man no problem so cool